case we haven't met, I'm Dino Colombo. I represent people hurt by a truck. It's what we do every day. I've seen truck accidents devastate families, but we can help. Hurt by a truck? Call Colombo Law. Streaming now on TuneIn.com and Radio.com. AM 1220 KDOW. The views and opinions expressed by Ron Black and his guests are not necessarily those of KDOW or its management owners or advertisers and should not be construed as legal tax or investment advice. Always consult with the appropriate advisor before making any investment or financial planning decision. Insightful. Informative. Irreverent. We're ready. 1220 KDOW presents Rob Black and Your Money. Your source for breaking news, market updates, and successful investment strategies for the 21st century. Sounds like a great program. Getting you to retirement in today's market. So let's get on with the show. Taxes, family finance, insurance, the economy, technology, media, and entertainment. Rob is talking about it with you at 800-516-1220. So call in. We'll chat and uh, have some fun. Now to start your day with the latest news and market commentary. Here's Rob Black on the Bay Area's business leader, 1220 KDOW. They say if you want a healthy family dynamic, don't talk politics at the dinner table. Today we're talking politics and growth and economies on Wall Street. Wall Street's liking Wednesday way better than like Tuesday. It's kind of a yo-yo market. The Federal Reserve cut interest rates yesterday and it kind of sent a signal to Wall Street. Maybe they know something about jobs or why are they doing this a week after they said they weren't going to do it? It sent a bad message, but a, a bad message, it creates opportunity. Join me to talk a little bit about that. CFP Chad Burton. Uh, big headline out today of the Financial Times is record wave of mortgage refinancing forecast. Through all the volatility on Wall Street over the coronavirus, the bond market collapsing up in yield. It's given you and me and every listener out there a chance to look at their mortgages, their biggest purchase in their life, and refinance it to a lower rate, which should put billions of dollars into Americans' pockets. Not today, but over the next couple of years. Is is that the premise you're seeing, like the the diamond in the rough here or the silver lining of a cloud? Uh, well, I, I guess so. I mean, if you look at, uh, you know, Wallet Hub sent out this kind of mass communication after the rate cut, and they had a prediction of how it would affect credit cards, decreasing by eight basis points. That's eight-tenths of 1%. Auto loans, eight-tenths of 1%. Mortgages, 26 basis points, so a quarter of a percent, essentially. Um, but most FDIC-insured type of accounts are going to drop by somewhere between a quarter of a percent and likely a half a percent. So all those online FDIC-insured banks that we recommend where you keep your safe money that are paying somewhere around 1.7, they're probably going to be, you know, somewhere between 1.2 and 1.4, somewhere around in there in the next week or two. Um, So it's good if you want to buy something on credit or take out a mortgage or refinance your mortgage. I mean, like I was saying before, if you have a mortgage, I think it was around 2012 or so, when rates got really low and a lot of people got those sub 3.5% or, you know, like just below 4% mortgages, 30-year fixed. At this point, there's a couple years into it, they paid down a little principal and they could refinance to a 15-year fixed. 
at such a low rate, their payment won't be any different, hardly any different, and they'll knock several years off their loan. And if you're 50 years old, you're going to retire in 15 years. What a great idea. Um, you know, that, so that's, that's really, really good. And I think that that's kind of a key thing now, Rob, because m- the biggest issue now with retirement is how expensive it's going to be because bond yields are, you know, st- around two and a half, three percent with the 10 year treasury where it is, any jumps can cause some havoc in bond funds where investors will see that and kind of run for the hills and we get those taper tantrum type situations. So people really have to take a real fresh look at their bond choices um, and what they're going to do going forward. I think the stock piece is easy. When the market drops, you look for asset classes and funds that drop farther than the market and they're on sale and you buy them. But when the bonds get this low, we're in brand new territory here. And so you have to manage what's called duration and interest rate increase risk. Um, that'll eventually come, not anytime soon with, you know, with this virus sitting here, but it'll eventually come. Um, 10-year treasury sub 1% for a few. I mean, who would have thought, right? Let's talk, let's talk about that for a second. That's yeah. one thing that still makes me a little nervous. It's kind of a minefield. It's dog poop in the yard. It's like, don't go out in your feet yet um there's a collective thought that 10 year under one percent could lead to 10 year at zero i'm nervous that the 10 year is still telling me danger danger there's poop in the yard don't go out there you may not see it you may step in it so i I still think there's gonna be another good pullback or two until that 10 year march is higher not lower thoughts and you can disagree you don't have to be the borg we're not the collective here no, I agree. I mean, the, the, the point is, is that if, if you and I both agree that, okay, if this will likely cause a bit of a recession, and, and that's very likely to happen because what is a recession? It's three quarters in a row of negative numbers on the gross domestic product. So usually gross domestic product, the measure of all goods and services being you know, produced in the U.S., GDP, is on the rise. Well, when it declines from the previous quarter – three times in a row, that's considered a recession. The typical recession is a 20% pullback in stocks. Right now, the S&P 500 is where, you know, the market's only been open for 45 minutes today. The S&P 500 is only down about 6% for the year and only about 10% from the February high. So typically a recession causes a 20% correction. It feels worse because the news is crazy. Right. And just think about if we would have had back in 2003, right, when the SARS outbreak uh-huh. occurred, my son and I were talking about this yesterday. He's like, yeah, but we didn't have social media. I'm like, yeah, that's a really good point because people are freaking out right now. But at the same time, SARS, there was only like 8,000, you know, less than 9,000 people worldwide got SARS. We're at like 90,000, Rob, and 3,000 sure. deaths. So it's, it's definitely spreading much quicker, even though it's much more mild than SARS. So it's causing people to stop, not book flights. I had a friend that posted a picture. She's an airline, a stewardess, and the flight to Seattle was empty. I mean, it was insane. So it's, it's definitely causing a slowdown in the economy that we're, we're going to have to deal with. It will be temporary. I don't know how long. And everything, a lot of things will rebound, but some companies will take a year to rebound when it comes to their sales. So moving on and moving forward, what topic should we be approaching? How about this one? Um, one of the best pieces of advice is do nothing. I see that in USA Today. I see it all over financial media, um, whether it be CNBC, Bloomberg. Do you think that's good advice or are you more of a tinkerer? 
Well, I think you got to tinker a little bit, especially if you're trying to, you know, continue to rebalance your portfolio. Okay. So, you, I mean, recently bonds have rallied and, and stocks have dropped a bit, um, and a lot of people own pretty aggressive type stocks, you know, all growth, all growth. And the stuff that's holding up really well is the type of funds like dividend achiever funds where companies have really strong balance sheets and, and tend to increase their dividends. But at the same time, <laughs> excuse me, you're seeing companies... Uh-oh, that, uh, uh-oh. Have you been on a plane recently? Uh, no, you know, I was just in Japan, you know, four weeks ago. Other than that, I'm, I'm fine. Take your zinc, <laughs> but uh-huh. finish your thoughts. Sorry, I heard you cough. Yeah, I'm, I'm at the tail end of my coronavirus for sure. Um, the it's just value funds, just seeing them down year to date, like 13, 14%. Just, you know, that, that some of these things are already in recessionary correction type territories. And I think that when you make investment decisions, you're looking three to five years out. You know that this is eventually going to pass and slow down and, and the economy will recover. It's going to be a little bit scary in the meantime, but you got to continue to rebalance and buy versus I'm going to sell, miss out on all my dividends and interest and try to figure out when I'm supposed to get back in because nobody gets that one right. When we come back, let's talk a little bit about the elections. One of the things I said earlier today was if Sanders doesn't have legs to go long, maybe healthcare stocks rally. If um, if Elizabeth Warren falls out because she couldn't hold her own state, maybe banking stocks go higher. Maybe Biden doing better than expected last night sent the whole market higher as a concept of maybe we won't go crazy with taxes and things. So be prepared for that. We'll talk about that. CFP Chad Burton at newfocusfinancial.com right after we come off break. It's CFP Chad Burton and myself talking what's going on. There's a lot of good downloadables at newfocusfinancial.com. I'm Rob Black talking all things financial. We'll take a break. Be right back. Making financial sense of your portfolio. Now, back to Rob Black and your money on AM 1220 KDOW. I'm Rob Black talking all things financial. I grew up with a healthy understanding of a bookie and Wall and a bookie in sports, and you can bet on sports. You can kind of bet on who's going to be the president in Vegas as well. And uh, this gets into a political conversation. Let's bring in CFP Chad Burton. Uh, Mr. Burton, we knew 2020 was an election year, but I don't think a lot of people really realized it, it, like how subtle some of the candidates could affect Wall Street in a dramatic way. Just a little subtle speech can push Wall Street around. Any thoughts on the political season as it's unfolding? Uh, well, you know, I think that you'll still have, I mean, no matter what happens, a divided Congress. So I think that you can kind of say, okay, well, these tax breaks are going to be with us here through 2026 and then the personal tax cuts automatically expire where the corporate tax cuts stay where they are um so you know the any tax change is only permanent until they change it again um it's it's regardless of how you're affiliated politically the market does not like the idea of a bernie sanders being elected as president um it, it's just, you know, 
it's it's going to kind of help create a little bit more uncertainty when we already have the situation with the coronavirus. So that's kind of why people are in a little bit afraid right now, Rob. I mean, the news can sometimes be daunting, but we talked about this also last year in about October when the news of the Fed's going to start raising rates and the trade war is, is going badly. And then the market dropped 20% almost from its highs. Um, and the market's actually holding up better now than it did this, that period in you know September of 2018 to December of 2018. And the virus is a much bigger deal. So it's, it's definitely being pretty resilient despite the news that's out there. Um, Do you think the markets are holding years, up pretty well? In five years, you're not going to even remember this, right? I mean, find what's on sale and start buying. I agree with that on some levels. Um, get a little bit of feedback from you. Is there anything you want to lead with as far as content? So we don't have to banter back and forth with feedback. Um, well, I think it's just a matter of um, there's a couple of things that you have to worry about now. So uh, Professor Siegel, um, you know, he's kind of the guy over there at Wisdom Tree, was talking about how we manage retirement portfolios going forward because the old way was a 60-40 stock bond portfolio would get you through retirement if you drew, drew 4% or less starting at age 65. And that already changed because bond rates had fallen and you just it means you just need more money and a, at a better idea of a draw rate at age 65 was being able to live 3% of your portfolio, 3.5% of your portfolio at 65. Well, now if you want to get those returns, you're going to have to do more like a 75-25 because you have these value ETFs and stock funds that are yielding 25 to 3% where the 10-year treasury is yielding a 1%, and a lot of your bond funds, unless they have way too much risk in them, are yielding 25 to 3%. So that means people are going to have to get a, a little bit better at dealing with volatility and realizing that the market tends to give you double-digit returns on the upside. When it's negative, it tends to be negative 13%. And um, realize that you're still collecting dividends in the meantime, and when the market does go off, you trim some of your shares to rebalance the cash that you have. So these types of situations is why I constantly preach the idea you have to have the proper amount of safe money. And that's you know six to 12 months of expenses when you're building wealth. If you're in sales and you're constantly jumping jobs, maybe that's 12 months worth of household expenses in cash. But once you get five years from retirement, you should have three years of what your projected portfolio draws are going to be in cash. Because if you have that and you have a good amount of dividends and interest coming from your portfolio, those dividends and interest, those those income, you can still send that right to your checking account and spend that money even if the market happens to be down 20% because of a recession. It'll eventually rebound and then you'll be able to start selling shares and peeling those gains off the table. Um, But you have to be patient, realize the market can be volatile. And people forgot that because we just went nearly straight up for 10 years. And uh, now a big one, Rob, I think is you're 50 and you're looking at your portfolio and your bonds just went up in value. Your your stocks went down a little bit. Not much. Cause like I said, we're only down about 6% for the year so far. But your bonds have rallied a lot. And so typically you're going to sell those bonds and buy stocks. If you don't have the stomach to do that, maybe you sell some bonds and – if it's not, not in a retirement account, but in a taxable account, maybe you sell some bonds and pay down or, or pay off your mortgage or pay it down and refinance it to a 15-year. Because if you have no mortgage now at the date of retirement, that's, more, that's less outflow that you have from your portfolio. That means less 
safe money that you'll need. The other thing that you could look at doing, though, is if you're 40, 50 years old, you could also say, okay, yeah, real estate prices are really high right now, right? They're due for a correction at some point. But if you're going to own it for 15, 20, 30 years and you can take, you know, 30, 40% down and maybe 50% down on a rental property and do a 15-year mortgage that's paid off at the date that you want to retire, that income is likely going to be much better than any bonds you're going to buy in the next five years. So it depends on you building wealth and you're still trying to accumulate. Use that 15-year and 30-year loan to do that, realizing that there's going to be a point where you're going to regret the price that you paid for the real estate, but 15, 20, 30 years later, you're, you're, you're going to be fine because prices will recover and the income will be pretty decent. Um, but again, if people get into that idea of real estate because mortgage rates are low, that, that initial test that I always use is if you're going to put 30% down on a traditional 30-year mortgage and, and rent the thing out, make sure you have positive cash flow after taxes, insurance, setting aside a certain amount for maintenance and paying a property manager. If you can't get some positive cash flow, then it's a bad deal. And maybe you use 50% down on a 15-year, if you're 50 and you're retiring at 65, and use kind of that same analysis, if that makes sense. So you, you still don't want to you know, shop for a bad deal. People can find you at newfocusfinancial.com. That's newfocusfinancial.com. We've got about a minute left. Any final thoughts that you want to pass on? And again, it doesn't have to be big picture. It could be something kind of nice, like refinancing your mortgage saves you cash flow. Like there's positives in here. Yeah, it's uh, one of the things that I would say is that great time to, you've got until April 15th to be funding your IRAs and Roth IRAs for 2019. Get that done. You know, markets on sale and look for asset classes that are on sale more than others, like large and small cap value and emerging markets, um, because those accounts are going to be your long-term accounts. And um, just get a shopping list ready versus the idea of I got to get back out and then figure out how to get back in. That's the big key to these things. Sounds good. Thanks very much. It's CFP Chad Burton. You can find him at newfocusfinancial.com. He's got a team of financial planners that are prepared and ready to take on some new clients. It is a good time to be looking at your portfolio when there is drama, but to look at it with calm eyes. To look at it is, are you on the road to retirement? Where are you as far as your posts go? A friend of mine at Cron TV yesterday said to me, hey, I'm turning 50. I'm going to Mexico for my birthday. I hope I don't get stuck there. I'm like, how much you got saved? Like, I didn't even want to talk Mexico and coronavirus with them. And uh, it is what it is. You can find me at robblackshow.com. You can find Chad at newfocusfinancial.com. Your comments and questions are always welcome. Visit Rob Black online at robblack.com. Now, back to Rob Black and your money on AM 1220 KDOW. Markets are shifting from a market that was melting up to a market that was introduced volatility. Maybe largely due because of the coronavirus, maybe a little bit with 2020 elections. It is what it is at this point in time to talk about the shifting markets. Let's bring in Patrick O'Hare from briefing.com. Briefing.com has a full staff dedicated to research on domestic and international business issues. 
You can learn more at briefing.com. How are you, Mr. O'Hare? Well, hello, Rob. I'm doing okay. Thanks. The news these days is are, is perilous. <laughs> um, a lot going on. The Fed, they shot yesterday and Wall Street didn't like it, but maybe they like the results of Super Tuesday. A lot of tea leaves to read. What can you help us with, sir? Well, I think you, you did hit the nail on the head, Rob. There are a lot of tea leaves to read and they kind of have conflicting signals emanating out of these capital markets. Um, you know, you have a stock market this morning that looks like it's you know, looking pretty good. Uh, but at the same time, you have a treasury market that continues to look really good. Um, so, you know, those two elements just don't jive really. And I think that uh, it's a case right now, anyway, there's a tale of two markets and that the stock market seems to be talking politics and the treasury market seems to be talking uh, growth and coronavirus issues. Uh, and, you know, one of the two are going to win out and Probably, I think the treasury market's going to, you know, really hold the key here in terms of whether this uh, stock market rebound is sustainable. Here's how crazy the news is: Bloomberg just dropped out and endorsed Biden. What do you think is going to happen to Wall Street on that news? It's, <laughs> it's well, betting in real time, right? Yeah, right, right, right. So, you know, as, as we've talked many times before on your show, you know, we don't really we don't take political sides at Briefing.com. We, we analyze things from an objective standpoint. So really, um, I say that as a caveat to say I'm not talking to anyone's politics here, um, but I'm just really as a market analyst trying to read market psychology. And so uh, with, uh, you know, Mr. Biden's uh, success in the Super Tuesday primaries and his emergence now as the front runner on the Democratic side, I think that the market has seen that as a source of relief uh, in that he, uh, you know, certainly uh, seen as a, a uh, a more market friendly candidate than Mr. Sanders is, and certainly more friendly toward uh, toward the managed care industry, and that's being you know reflected fully in in a lot of those stocks like United Health uh, this morning. And um, so, but you know, then the question becomes, um, okay, well, if you assume that Mr. Biden does ultimately get the nomination. Uh, and he would be pitted against President Trump. Well, the market itself seems to have said from the very beginning, uh, you know, that it leans in favor of Mr. Trump, who's um, regarded as the most market-friendly candidate. But uh, so it makes you wonder if, you know, market ultimately comes back around to the idea that if Mr. Biden can, in fact, beat Mr. Trump, does he get worried again about what that means for the stock market's prospects? It's a, it's a whole, you know, convoluted uh, scenario planning, but... Um, but for the moment, anyway, uh, you can certainly see in the behavior of the managed care stocks that uh, the stock market seems to like the implications on the Democratic side of what's unfolded recently coming out of those uh, those primaries. One of the areas that when I have an expert, I try to like corner them. One of the areas that concerns me is the 10-year Treasury under 1%. Today, it cracked under 1%. And honestly, if you were to ask me 10 years ago, well, I'll ever see that in my lifetime, 10 years ago, 20 years ago, I'd say no. That's kind of a third world country thing. That's not a U.S. issue. That's not, we are, we're stronger than that. So that's alarming to me. Um, is it alarming to you that the 10 years sitting under 1%? It's sitting at 0.975 right now. Well, I think it's, I think it's telling. Um, okay. You know, that uh, in this, in this, new era we live in in terms of uh, you know what central banks are doing to uh, suppress rates to try to stimulate growth and um, you know at the end of the day I mean you still have 
uh, you know, rates here in, in the U.S. that are higher than, you know, a lot of uh, rates you're seeing in other sovereign bond markets around the world. I mean, the, the German boon was, you know, I think trading at minus uh, 0.6%. Uh, the Japanese government bond down close to minus two percent, 0.2%, right? So, um, so you still continue to have this interest rate differential factor that looms large here that could continue to apply, uh, some downward pressure on yields in the treasury market, uh, you know, on that, that quote relative value trade. But, um, but it, you know, it, it seems to be a little bit alarming. I would agree with you that. Uh, people are still interested in holding 10-year paper yielding less than 1%, which if you look at, you know, the inflation rate right now of roughly 1.6, 1.7%, according to the PCE price index, I mean, your real rate of return there is negative. So um, it's not, you know, turning out to be a super inflation hedge. Um, and it can be uh, very dangerous, certainly, for uh, those market participants who are simply chasing uh, yield chasing performance here and, uh, and could get burned if they have no intention of, you know, holding that uh, maturity to, uh, uh, that security to maturity because they do run the risk of, of losing principal there. I'm trying to put a finger on everything that I can and try to get as much information out. I think also the tenure is concerning to me because, like you said, why would people settle for that low rate of return other than fear? But on top of it, we are going to see earnings cuts. We've already seen earnings cuts. I think we were melting up a little bit on the assumption of earnings would it would be better year over year. But shouldn't we be going sideways to maybe down if earnings is our story and our only focus? Isn't that going to be a negative for the next 12 months of earnings reductions and PEs on the markets looking unfavorable or less favorable? Right. I think um – uh, you know, I have, a, I have a sense, Rob, that, you know, as we get to the end of this interview, you're going to ask me the same question you always ask me, and what, what is it that I'm working on <laughs> for the big picture time I write? <laughs> right? I'm predictable. And, uh, and, uh, and you're pretty much, you know, you're right in the wheelhouse of what I am going to be working on, you know, as we talk about uh, P.E. ratios and, um, and earnings estimates, right? Um, you know, earnings estimates are clearly at risk here. You know, we've seen an early round, um, but mostly those warnings have been tied to what happened in China. And uh, as this virus continues to spread, and and whether you kind of agree with the containment efforts or not, um, um, you're going to see more earnings warnings coming out here because it's just becoming more prevalent to sort of uh, stay closer to home, you know, they're restricting travel, gatherings to large public places, et cetera, et cetera. And that's why, as you look at the PE ratio as seemingly, you know, looking better than it did a few weeks ago at, say, 17 times forward 12 month earnings versus 19 times forward 12 months earnings, you know, you can't really accept that as a static measure, uh, because you would be basically basing that, uh, notion of valuation on the idea that the E in the PE ratio is going to hold static. And, and that's not really the case. So you might see 17 times on a forward multiple right now, but analysts haven't caught up yet to cut their estimates. So that 17 may, in fact, be 19 times, you know, when it's all said and done. So um, because of that uncertainty there and the inability to forecast where, where earnings are going because of the coronavirus, I think you're going to continue to see this great volatility in the market as, you know, as investors try to uh, get a good handle on, you know, what ultimately is a fair value to step in here and buy this weakness. Good stuff. Is there anything else that you want to hit, or did you just hit it all? Uh, I, I, I think I just hit it all. I'm sorry to have stolen your your, your thunder on the last question there, but oh no no no, you know, 
<laughs> I just do think that uh, you know the market right now is really uh, is it, it, going to stay volatile here in the near term, and that easy money and easy multiple expansion you saw in 2019 is, is going to be increasingly harder to come by here. Good stuff. I super appreciate it. Get back to work. There's a lot to focus on, and you're doing a great job of explaining to people. Uh, who subscribed to briefing.com. It's it's such a good uh, news feed. So, for instance, Michael Bloomberg is going to endorse Joe Biden following suspension of his campaign. Later today, there may be a little bit more extrapolation on that. Senator Elizabeth Warren is currently reassessing her campaign following Super Tuesday results. Um, so you're seeing the overall markets react in real time, and there is no better source of real-time information dissemination than briefing.com. And I say that I'm, it's not in it, it's, it's a personal endorsement. I don't get a penny for doing it, um, nor would I want it because I like the service that much. So Bank of Canada lowered its target for overnight rate by 50 basis points. Steve Mnuchin is out for the United States Treasury, and he's saying, you know, what the Fed did yesterday was preemptive. Now, again, interest rate cuts don't work into the system for four to six months. So Canada's doing it. You're going to see more global banks um, try to stimulate economies through monetary policy. I hate that. I want to be stimulated for other reasons. I don't want monetary policy to be it. How about we come up with initiative? Let's go to the moon. And uh, I watched First Man the other day. It's leaving HBO or something like that. And you learn about the space program and like how many millions and millions of dollars we put into. Can we get a rocket in space? Can we get a monkey into space? Can we get a monkey into space and back down to space? Can we get a monkey to dock with another spaceship in space? Um, crazy. But we need that kind of initiative right now in America as far as economic development goes. The Internet carried us. From the mid-90s to, I guess you could say, 2010. Just the, let's buy equipment. Let's buy faster equipment. Let's buy faster, faster equipment. Let's send video through. Oh, no, our old equipment doesn't work. We need, 5G is going to be cute. It ain't going to be a uh, total game changer as far as things that we could rally behind. We need a big uh, infrastructure bill, improve our roads and our airports, um, put people to work, so to speak create some taxes in the process, use some tax money to create some tax money. Anyhow, a lot of good information at briefing.com, a lot of good information here. Uh, CFP Chad Burton's got a great webpage, newfocusfinancial.com, where you can subscribe to his podcast and or get some great downloadables. I highly recommend you educate yourself so that when there are times where like, what's going on? You don't freak out. I'm Rob Black talking all things financial. Take a break here. Be right back in uno momento. Can't you feel the cold wind howling down, blowing my soul? Visit Rob Black online at robblack.com. Now, back to Rob Black and your money on AM 1220 KDOW. Every now and then we play a song from my collection that I dig. This is one of them. It's Arcade Fire. Canadian indie rock. I like all things Canadian. Maple syrup especially. But this song talks a little bit about um, 
materialism. And I'll be honest with you, as a 20-year-old man, I didn't get the concept. Then when you have kids, you're like, I should cut down on all this crap. And then you have friends who've got all these plastic toys and... Oof. I'm not about materialism anymore. I wear one pair of jeans. Typically a lot. I wear a hoodie. Typically a lot. Keep it real simple. Keep it simple stupid. I invest every two weeks in a 401k. I could write this down for you. On the simplest things you need to do. When you get a spouse, you get term life insurance. If one spouse needs the other spouse's income, you get it for 20 years. And the best example that I have with that is my uh, one of my grandfathers and his wife moved to California, you know, 65, 70 years ago and bought a orchard in Southern California, an avocado orchard. And it just happened to be on oil land and they put an oil well on it and they had an orchard and he invested on a regular basis, bought some real estate, bought some other things. Um, after 20 years, his income wasn't important because they had an oil well kicking off income. They had a farm kicking off income. But for the first 20 years where he was paying the mortgage on the farm, it was darn important that he keep his health as well as keep his, you know, his cash flow coming in for his family. Investing's not that difficult. Money's not that difficult. We make it more difficult. Term life will protect you for 20 years or 30 years, whatever term that you're going to be working where other people need you. But then we mess it up by coming up with variable life insurance and whole life insurance. Trash product. Now, I can make a case for whole life if you're super wealthy and you want to give money to a charity. I can make a case for it. When you're 70 years old and you're 10 years from dying, you may go to Stanford University and say, I got $20 million, but I want my family to get that. They'll say, we'll buy a $20 million life insurance policy on you and you can gift that to us. Well, isn't it expensive to buy life insurance on a 70-year-old man? It is. But they can get their return on investment if you die sooner than later. So I think Wall Street just comes up with bad product and it confuses people. Wall Street works. I'm not stressed in any way, shape, or form about this correction. Probably your first correction is your worst correction. And then you start getting through your first recession is your worst recession. My first recession, I was freaked out of my mind. I loved it because the first really, really big one, um, 2000-ish, and it was a tech recession, maybe not a whole U.S. recession. Maybe it wasn't like the, the blue steel, blue-collar steel workers weren't losing jobs. They had already been lost. But when we went in 2000, NASDAQ just kept going higher, 92, 93, 90. Tech stocks higher, 95, 96. Tech stocks in 97, 98. Tech stocks in 99. It's like a lot. Does that sound familiar? The last nine years, 10 years on the stock market up with very little correction. Same thing with the 90s. Up for technology with very little correction. Then when it hit, it, it sucked. 2000, 2001, 2002. And we never felt like it was going to come back, but it did come back. The people who lost were the people who sold. The people who lost were the people who gambled. It's not that difficult. Again, did it all come back? No. That's why individual stocks are risky. You know, HP once was a darling of Wall Street. Dell once was a darling of Wall Street. They're not darlings anymore. 
torches have been passed. It's Salesforce, Microsoft. Ooh, Microsoft kept the torch. For a period of time, it looked like Microsoft may pass the torch, but they kept it. They had an installed user base. So we make this much more difficult than it is. And yeah, I get capitalism has some flaws. Joseph Schumpeter, my favorite economist, once said capitalism um, is creative destruction. Now, I know you're saying you've got a fa- favorite economist. Kind of do. Um, but I think you should educate yourself as much as you can so that when you see business cycles, you don't feel terrible about them. Creative destruction, the cyclical process by which the system eliminates the people and institutions which are mentally too vulnerable for useful economic service. When I repeat that, that sounds worse than it is. Creative destruction, the cyclical process by which the system eliminates the people and institutions which are mentally too vulnerable for useful economic service. Do you hear why politicians and, and mothers across the country scream about better education? Because capitalism is eliminating the people and institutions which are too vulnerable for useful economic service. It stinks. The days of going and doing a simple job may be gone. You can take a look at textile industry. Massive, rapid, rapid, rapid adoption in the um, 1770s. And then went down. Railway, massive adoption in 1825. So who killed railways? Cars. Autos, massive growth in 1886. Trains, 1825. Cars, 1886. Computers, 1939. And at some point in time, computers will become dull to us. I think they already have. The next big wave of the Industrial Revolution turns into Industrial Evolution with distributed intelligence and nanotechnology. At the heart of capitalism is creative destruction. And I get it. You should study business cycles. You should get comfortable. So we make it much more difficult than we need to. The Fed cutting rates, the Fed raising rates, buy great companies, buy great indexes, buy capitalism. Yes, there will be a stinker along the way like an HP. Some people would call those fallen angels. I don't know. You can't protect yourself 100%. That's why individual stocks have higher reward, but also higher risk on the downside. I'm Rob Black talking all things financial. You can find me online at Rob Black Show. There's some great apps out there like Credit Karma. A lot of refinances going on. Get educated. Save big money and transform your home with new appliances now at Menards. We offer the lowest prices and the largest in-stock appliance selection ready to take home today. Check out top appliance brands, including KitchenAid, Maytag, Whirlpool, Amana, and Criterion. Upgrade your home and save big money on new appliances at Menards. Shop our entire selection of appliance options online today at Menards.com. Save big money at Menards. 